Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. My name is Andrew Beam. And I'm Corey Dempsey. We shifted around a lot. We are in the year 1993 for, for hip-hop. Correct. But what I'm going to need help on is the order of things. All right. So we did part one last week, and we are back to do part two. In part one, we discussed Queen Latifah's UNITY, which was Steve's number five, my number four slash three. It's unclear. We also discussed <laughs> Diggable Planets, where I'm from, as my number five. We discussed Souls of Mischief, 93 to Affinity, as my number three slash number four. Again, unclear. And we discussed <laughs> Tupac's Keep Your Head Up as Steve's number four. And speaking of Steve, Steve is our guest once again, as he always is in these explorations of hip hop. And Steve, how are you? Steve Tyson, well. by the way. I'm Steve well. Tyson. He's got a last name. <laughs> Steve Tyson. <laughs> thank you, Andrew Beam. Thank, yeah, oh, I'm thank doing you. well. <laughs> you know, um, glad to be back with you guys. Looking forward to, you know, finishing up this conversation and keeping it rolling with 1993. There's been a lot of great songs we've talked about, and I think we got a lot of even more incredible songs left to go, so... I'm really looking forward to it. One would hope that's how these lists work. We're gradually getting better. I don't know how we do all the time, but it's true to us. Have you thought about it? Do you feel like there's ones where like, I don't know if it got better as it went on. So the one I will say is when I put Action Bronson at number two, I think that brought us down. I thought that was a, a move. But I love that Action Bronson <laughs> song. So I'm just being true to me, which is what these rappers would want. So I'm, I'm doing... It's what yes. the rappers would, would want. It's what we want, really. I mean, yes. I'm not looking for you guys to not be yourselves. Yeah, so I had to do me. And, you know, I'm going to do me once again with unclear rankings and <laughs> some songs that maybe don't belong, <laughs> but they're what I love. So I'm going to do it. Are these rankings? I don't know. This we is might just a conversation. Be, we might just be throwing out songs. It is. It really is. It's very fluid. It's very it's fluid. Very ask fluid. us these. Ask us our top five next week, and we might have completely different. Stuff. Ask Steve <laughs> in the next two hours what his list is. It might be wildly different. Some of the five songs you'll hear in these two episodes now, like the top five you'll hear, it'll change. Yeah. Some of these songs might even exist in them. They might they might get kicked out. Who does? But, <laughs> no idea. But indeed, we should move forward. Right? Indeed, we got to move forward. <laughs> so we are going to be drinking the way of the sword. We talked about its connection to Wu-Tang. You'll notice Wu-Tang was not in part one. So I think we may have spoiled, but really it shouldn't have been a spoiler because of course Wu-Tang was going to be in this conversation. really weird yeah. if you we were talking about 1993 and somehow Wu-Tang wasn't fucking in this list. It would be. <laughs> I would flip this oversight. table. I would flip this table over. <laughs> <laughs> Rightfully so. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to be drinking the way of the sword. Okay, so as we mentioned, we are in part two of our discussion about uh, the year of 1993 in hip hop. Again, I can't remember where the fuck we, what we last did. But what I do know is that we are at Steve Tyson's number three. So Steve, what do you have for us? What do you have for number three on your top five list? So my number three song, I think might be a bit controversial as far as a number three placement. Am I going to um, flip this table? No, no, it's okay. not that bad. But at the same time, 
in comparison to my number two and my number one for me, like Corey mentioned earlier, uh, I think that it's it's justifiably placed. And being in the top three of all these songs from 1993 is the equivalent of being number one anyway. So, so for my number three, I chose a Tribe Called Quest award tour. I don't think that's controversial at all. I don't know why that would be controversial. Now, this wouldn't be a proper list when talking about 1993 and hip-hop if we didn't have some Tribe Called Quest. Now, Steve. Of course not. Why a war tour off of Midnight Marauders? It's my favorite song on this album. Oh, okay. The the beat is just so driving um it just really just lands for me uh, i i absolutely love their flows just the the samples the switch ups from you know as they're rapping you know it gets into that vibraphone sample um and you kind of hear that you know it's it's just incredible i absolutely love the song um i love the album and you know, we had mentioned de la soul in uh our last conversation um so shout out to true Goy the dove who's you know rapping the hook um, so there's a little De La Soul representation as well, which I think is important um, considering, you know, groups that stay true to themselves, like we mentioned before. So, yeah, this song is just an absolute just hit for me. Uh, I, like anytime I'm driving down the street, like it's if it comes on my it, it's it's currently in my, you know, driving around town playlist. So, you know, anytime it comes on, I crank that thing up. I mean, it's it's one of the best songs to blast on a beautiful day. I just literally said, speaking of their flows to Corey while we were listening to my Q-tip has one of my favorite flows of all time. Just yeah. in, I just. It's so smooth. Oh my God. I'm, I'm going to talk about it because. Go, go ahead. Spoiler alert, Tribe is on my list too. I'll, I'll right. talk about it with that song. <laughs> but, you want to do that. But what about this song? I mean, this is not what I picked. Right. But I poured over it for a very long time trying to decide between this and what I ultimately chose because everything that Steve said, I mean, this is the hype song on on the album and the one that gets you going and it's placement right there at number two on the track list like perfect because it just brings you into the album and gets you jazzed to listen to the rest of it jazzed yeah. so you know that and just how much good music came out came out of the native tongues posse mm. like unbelievable incredible. these guys absolutely incredible amazing i just we need more of that this collective artistic expression yeah Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw what happened with Odd Future and what they did with the, just a collective expression. Um, and just two of them came out. Well, three of them came out alive, I guess. A, few, a lot of them. Yeah, you know, the internet with Sid. Like, actually, you know what? Taco like two is is doing. Exa- yeah. Yeah. On, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I take back. Don't minimize take it back. Odd take Future. It back. Take it back. <laughs> I think a Haji who I like had hope for, and that dude just like trailed yeah. off. But, no, but there's nothing underrated. But there is, but nonetheless, though, there's nothing like native tongues, though. I no, mean, no. tribe, De La Soul, Queen Latifah, you know, some of the tertiary and peripheral groups, you know, um, leaders of the new school, with Busta Rhymes, the far side, you know, it's just, it's Stacked. intense. Black sheep. <laughs> Foosh Nickens. Black Sheep's really underrated. We don't talk about Black yep. Sheep enough. The choice is yours. Yep. Man. You can get with this or you can get with that. Oh <laughs> you can get God. with this because this is where it's at. <laughs> Moni Love. Yeah, nah, nah, Native Tongues were not to be fucked with. <laughs> For real. <laughs> not to be fucked with. 
but yeah, nah. So award tour, this is definitely in my um, favorite songs just of all time. And so uh, it had to be included in my top three. I think that it, any of my songs in my top three have an argument to be number one. Um, at some point, they probably were number one at one point in, in me putting together this list. But um, there's so many people I know who would have this song or any song on this album um, as the number one song of 93. So yeah, I had to include it in my top three for sure. No, nah, but thinking about what you have left, like you have some flames left. I don't know your list, yep. but I'm assuming. <laughs> so like, yes, but also how can you really argue with these, the what, what you got coming, assuming yep. what you got coming. Um, <laughs> so, you know. I mean, do we just go on to that? Because what, that we're, now we're into our top two, right? We are. We're in our top two. Somehow, Corey, did you? Did you just somehow work this out where now you're like going to somehow be before Steve? I feel like you're like somehow before Steve on this. Like you're getting your top, your second one before he is. It's all good. It might still work out. It's going to work out because my number two (laughs) is also from a tribe called. Oh God. Right. (laughs) I had it worked out in my head. Damn. (laughs) So I, it's like like you construct these things or something. I kind of do. You do. Um, so. Like I said, I was poring over, you know, whether to choose a war tour or whether to go with what I ultimately went with. And I decided to go with electric relaxation from Midnight Marauders. from inside the boat. Let me hit it from the back, girl. I won't catch a hernia. Off on your couch, now you got Siemens furniture. Shy he fight for the extra P. Stacy Beetle PJ. I mean, just talk about, you know, a perfect song to encapsulate a rap group being able where the two guys are just able to like really play off each other. Fantastic here. But what we will say is that we did watch the music video while listening to this one. And the part where Q-Tip says, you know, I'll make you weak in the knees. It looks like he's saying it to Fife Dog. Like for a second there, like they're sitting in that booth in the diner. I was like, whoa, I don't know if Fife is talking about the same thing you are. But anyways, Corey, why is this your number two? I feel weird saying this, but this is like a really sexy song. Isn't it? It's it really so, is. like the smoothness of the beat and coupled with the lyrics and the way they play off each other. And so it's sampling um, Ronnie Foster's My- Mystic Brew. And it's really all coming down to this like strummed guitar, these really smooth guitar chords that are being strummed. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, But every time Q-Tip is rapping, the guitar strumming is happening. And it kind of fits that smoothness of Q-Tip's flow and his persona as this kind of like smooth talking ladies man. And every time Fife Dog comes on, the guitar goes away. The drums become more present in the production. And this bass line comes in. And that's kind of representing Fife Dog's more like gruff, matter of fact rapping. And so there's just the genius of that. Like the way that they're shifting personas from Fife Dog to Q-Tip and altering the beat around it. I, I just noticed this like a month ago and it fucking blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, Ali Shahid, Q-Tip, you're fucking geniuses. This is the most brilliant thing I've ever <laughs> fucking heard. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, and it makes sense to be perfectly honest. I mean, you go to this like dirty, you know, walking stand-up baseline and it's Fife Dog just being like, let me dip from behind. And it's just like... Original here it is. Boy, rough, rough, Croy, yeah, exactly. And like rough, he just comes in and it's such a rough is the word. like to what Q-Tip's doing. And so to have the beat match it in that way, it's just like, again, this song construction, like 
these are the things that you don't necessarily notice, but yeah. it's so nuanced and so just incredible the way that, again, when you're a rap group and when you know each other this well, these little intricacies and decisions in the construction of a song is just something you you don't always get unless you know each other this fucking well. Yep. Yep. Nah, you, you're nailing it, man. It's it's the way that they play off one another, uh, the way the beat, you know, comes in and out and highlights certain aspects of the verses and the intention behind each of the verses and, you know, kind of what we talked about similarly um, in the last episode, as far as like balancing that duality or, or the multifacetedness of just humanity or of an individual, um, especially whenever it comes to, um, you know, courting somebody or, you know, trying to get with somebody, you know, it's, it's, just genius the way that they executed it in this song you know shout out to q-tip and ali shaheed on the production um and also fife you know he, he mentions yeah he's a member of the zulu nation um as am i so you gotta you know definitely shout a rest in peace uh to my fellow aki in the zulu nation so it's just excellent choice man excellent choice um and also shout out to the waynes brothers too <laughs> and using this as the theme song <laughs> the waynes brothers so fife dog is such an important part you know obviously q-tip is kind of this mercurial musical genius with ali behind you know the turntables doing their thing but fife dog is such an incredible rapper and such an incredible mc and he has so many zingers on this song yeah. But the one that always sticks with me and that I just got to bring to the attention because same one I got, I know, I know exactly which one is going to be. The first time I noticed what he said is one of those moments where I had to immediately rewind and be like, wait, what, what did he just do? And so at the end of, I don't know, it's the second part of the second verse. I don't even know how to like quantify it, but he says, let me hit it from the back girl. I won't catch a hernia bust off on your couch now you got Siemens furniture and I was just like excuse the fuck out of me <laughs> yep. what <laughs> yep. Fife dog you dirty little genius oh my god and I was I I'd never laughed so hard at a one-liner in a song like that and I was just like Fife yeah but you, you genius you know he wrote that yep. down he's like yes like, yes <laughs> and yeah, like no, Siemens that, furniture yep. was an actual furniture outlet yeah. in New York yeah. that made like you know, really cheap, not particularly put well to put together furniture. So it's like, it fits with that whole idea. Like, it's so perfect. I, like yeah, when he no. thought of that, it was just like, yep, I'm a God. Rest, rest in power to fucking Fife Dog. I, I love that man so much. Yeah, yeah. That was a genius line. <laughs> it's absolutely genius. That was the one you were thinking of, Steve. Oh, without question. <laughs> that was definitely it. Because I remember when I first heard it too, like, like, and even hearing it now um, as an adult, it's just, yeah, it's hilarious. Um, and it's just right on point. Like, he nailed that. <laughs> Fife Dog. Oh, my God. That's fucking something else. You fucking slay me. All right. So Corey has been hyping you up, Steve. He claims you're gonna bring fire in these last two. What's number two then? What like let's hear let's hear what you got now. All right. So my number two song is probably You fucking as, switched it. You know <laughs> who knows if I switched it. We don't know. We don't know what's going on. But no, my, my number two song is probably my favorite song of ninety-three when I was living in 93 you know again eight-year-old steve this is probably his favorite song of the year 
Um, I loved the original song that it was that he used the sample from. Um, it was one of my favorite songs just of my young life of all time at that point. And then it takes the sample and flips it into something even more incredible. Um, and the video is humorous, uh, but it also has just a lot of reality to it. It's really unique. Um, so I decided to choose uh, Snoop Dogg's Who Am I, What's My Name as my number two song of 1993. So Steve, number two, Snoop yes. Dogg. We just talked. We 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 obviously have talked quite a bit about how ubiquitous Snoop Dogg is now, mm-hmm. and part of it is because of this song. I feel like in a way, like this is this was this was a smash it. I feel like for Snoop, no? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, coming right off the Chronic, um, he was the one of the biggest names in hip hop, and yet hadn't put out his debut album yet. So. There was a lot of attention and excitement around, you know, who Snoop was going to be. And this song really kicked in the door for him uh, as far as, you know, making himself known in a solo way. Because, you know, with The Chronic, that being Dr. Dre's album, it was almost as though Snoop was like a duo with Dr. Dre. And so this, even though this song was produced by Dre, it allowed him to kind of step out and step forward in his own way where... You know, not only is he able to establish his own name, but then there's so many other folks who are eventually, you know, known as the Dog Pound, um, who are not only cameoing in this video, like you see Corrupt saying, what's your name, fool? But you also just have, you know, the doors that he opened for so many other people like Nate Dog, um, and just the list is just extensive. And so... Yeah, uh, this song was just really impactful for me as, you know, an eight-year-old. And it's still it's just similarly to Award Tour. This song this song is also on my driving playlist. You know, when it comes on, it's it's when it gets cranked up to 30. I mean, it bangs heavily, uh, especially like the mastered version on title and everything. So it just, it, it really hits. So shout out to Dre on the production. And also the video was really influential. I, I really enjoyed it. Again, I was watching a lot of Yo! TV raps and shout out to Fab Five Freddy. Um, he directed this video and, you know, the morphing, you know, this was just after Michael Jackson was doing a lot of the morphing with the black or white video. And obviously Snoop and Fab didn't have the similar budget that Michael Jackson had. I mean, it's Michael Jackson, but, you know, they still were able to pull off um, some morphing and some, you know, humor in this too. I remember when I was a kid, I used to take uh, my puppy, you know, as a kid, my, my puppy Frisky, and I'll put a hat on his head too and like bounces <laughs> to the music. <laughs> Just like the dogs in the video. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this song was was major for me. And it's, it corrects the error that I had as far as uh, what's the first rap song I knew the words to because I knew the words to this one, you know, a year before I knew the words to Craig Max Flavor in years. So yeah, this is my uh, number two song of 1993. The samples, you know, with Funkadelic and P-Funk and Parliament, you know, with Atomic Dog and Not Just Knee Deep and Tear the Roof Off the Sucker and P-Funk Wants to Get Funked Up. All those P-Funk hits are sampled in this song. So it was inevitably going to be a banger just with those samples in itself. Um, and they executed it to perfection. Well, I mean, I, I can't disagree with this at all. I mean, this is like one of the more memorable songs in terms of just like my early like learnings of hip hop 
and understanding what it was. Like Snoop Dogg is kind of like a big introduction, sort of in a way, like him and Dr. Dre to hip hop for me. Uh, Tupac. I think California Love is like one that like just actually sticks out in general to me in terms of like really remembering what hip hop was. But obviously Snoop being in there in this song in general. But uh, Corey, what are your thoughts on this on this track being in his top five? Leaving off Snoop Dogg was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life, which tells you two things how incredible this song is and how easy my life has been yeah i was gonna say but (laughs) but alas here we are um no i mean everything steve said one thing that i just wanted to add is we've talked about this idea of you know rappers coming into the game and kind of announcing themselves with a song we talked about it with bone thugs and harmony yeah we talked about it with nwa and i think this is probably the finest example of that a song what's my name and then you know Dr. Dre did the same exact thing seven years later with Eminem and my name is like, it's the same song really like a rapper announcing themselves to the world with a song. That's what's my name, Snoop Dogg. And like, you know what that conversation in the studio is. Yeah. And easy easy does it. (laughs) And, and Dre's a genius in this way. And so he did it with NWA, did it with easy. He did it with Snoop Dogg. It's a formula that works and it works because it's such a banger. And like, When I think about this song, I think this is a larger discussion that we could have. But for me, I think this is the finest example of a G-Funk song. It has all of the elements. I thought that today. Perfect. Yep. Yep. No, I thought that today. I think that's a great fucking point to bring up. I was just like, this just hits different than the rest of them. I mean, nothing but a G thing is incredible. Like all these songs are incredible. Warren G, Regulate, like all these G-Funk songs are classics. But I Mm -hmm. think... For me, this one stands above the rest as like the pinnacle of the G funk sound. Yeah, I, I definitely thing. agree. I definitely agree. And it's really cool too that Bootsy Collins, uh, being a member of Parliament and Funkadelic, and also um, having worked with James Brown too, being Snoop's cousin or uncle or something like that, like they're related. <laughs> so the G funk was gonna come through Snoop at some point. So yeah, I, I agree. I think that this is a shining example of that g-funk sound um and has an argument of being you know the the pinnacle of of what that sound is i don't know just listening at today it's just like this just has all the elements it does and not just that it's in a way that just kind of slaps you in the face harder than the rest of them it's dr dre's drum production like he's unrivaled mm-hmm. when it comes to like it's the synth for me the, sim- the, the synth, synth is too. just so yeah. heavy yeah yeah yeah. I mean, it's it's and it's how they all come together, and it's just yeah. like yeah. the perfect beat. Yeah, oh, whether it's God. this song or Gin and Juice, yeah. you know, the, like or regulate with the whole G Funk. Like the G Funk era really took off. You get Coolio <laughs> coming out of the whole G Funk mm. situation. There's, you know, it's a lot. There's a lot there. Well, I feel like I feel like we went a little, a little faster than I expected because we're here at number one. We are, but I feel like we're gonna be here in a minute. We're going to be here a minute. We're going to be here a minute. We got some things to talk about. Because I know what's about to happen. And that's mainly because I know both of your lists. And I think, again, Steve may have just actually changed it. I don't know. We, know, this we don't may know. Not work we don't know. This, this may not work out. So, Steve, before I go to my number one, I'm going to assume that your number one is from Wu-Tang Clan. Correct. All right. As of now. <laughs> so before we get to the song, I want to take a minute to just talk about Wu-Tang. So what is it about Wu-Tang that's been so enduring? Because they've just been in our lives for so long and they're not 
even like still a group, but they are. I think that's exemplified in exactly how you just described them in your last sentence, as far as they aren't really a group, but they are. So they you did have, just tour together, a lot of them. I mean, yeah, because they are a group. But at the same time, you have nine, well, now eight people who all stand independently as top tier rappers, lyricists, songwriters, producers. And then when they come together, it, it, it's, it's, it's almost as though there was something a bit more divine in their connection than a lot of these other groups where... You know, there's there's a weak link in every group, but with Wu Tang, every member strength is what shines. And there's not you're not really say, oh, this person's whack or they're just getting carried by the rest of them or whatever the case may be. It's like, no, like each and every one of them stand independently as a top tier MC. And then they've been able to expand on that, too, where, you know, we'd mentioned in the last conversation around Method Man and how he's grown into, you know, being an incredible actor and, and the diversity of the roles that he's playing now. Um, and that's how that's essentially like a primary, you know, his, his primary mode of getting his artistry out there is acting right now. And I think that the diversity and the skill set that they brought into their music, they've been able to not let themselves be stuck in a certain box. Um, so you have, you know, Raekwon just released a book um, and, you know, Ghostface is working on albums with Bad, Bad, Not Good and all these other jazz artists and and really expanding his um, palette. You have Jizza working with Harvard and, you know, working with Science Genius and all these schools throughout New York. And, you know, so each of them are, you know, staying in that, you know, RZA is doing scores with Kill Bill and Afro Samurai and all these others. So like, there's a lot that they've all continued to do independently that have also connected with us. So it's like, even if we're not listening to Wu-Tang albums anymore, you know, you might watch Afro Samurai or you might have seen them on Versus or you might have watched The Wire and you see Method Man on there or you saw Concrete Cowboys and he's in on that or, you know, or like there's so many ways that the Wu has continued to still be relevant without necessarily having to all be together in the same place at the same time. So, yeah, I think that because they've been able to set themselves up on a certain path independently while still knowing, you know, whenever the, the, the bell is rung and, and, you know, they get in the bat signal that they all got to come back together and, you know, realign. Um, and that they all, you know, there were, there were times when that wasn't happening <laughs> for sure. Several times in, in their history that that wasn't going on, but nonetheless, no matter what difficulties or issues or discrepancies were going down, they recognize that the group is bigger than the individual. And so inevitably they all come together. I mean, Steve, I agree with absolutely everything you just said. And I want to just kind of touch on this point. You mentioned the bat signal for them. They had this symbol that was the Wu-Tang Clan. Yep. And I think that that was part of their genius was in their branding and marketing. Because when I was in middle school, you know, you mentioned Clifton Park, New York, a place filled with all these suburban white kids. White kids. We're all white. And most of us. When you yep. look at everyone's notebook and binder, what do you see on it? The Wu-Tang Clan symbol that they draw it out and exactly. shaded in and all these kids wearing the sweatshirt. And it's just so instantly recognizable that like, you just know. 
And so in that way, they've just always remained around because of this symbol. Beam mentioned the hieroglyphic symbol before. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Like that is what represents all of them together. And it's so recognizable and instant that it just sticks in your mind. So they were also geniuses from a business standpoint, in addition to being incredible artists. Most definitely. The symbol, that W is absolutely iconic. It's almost if not equitably iconic as the bat symbol or the bat you yeah. know, the batman logo it's that massive and, and that important so I, yeah. I thought you were going to say the american flag but also i nah, think fuck the american flag yeah <laughs> <laughs> replace that shit with the wu yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no nah, man yeah at, at least wu-tang is for the kids what the fuck yeah, the i was just flag? about to say because at the end of the day wu-tang is for the children yeah <laughs> It is why that like one of the first records I wanted to play for my son was 36 Chambers. It's, it's why it's why I felt it, the need. I'm like, you need to you need to understand what good music is. And this yeah. is one of them because Wu-Tang is for the children. Yeah. And Steve, you mentioned this idea of all these artists being utilized in the perfect way that highlights their skills. And so I had this question. I personally think it's an obvious answer. So I'm curious to know if yours is kind of the same. Is there kind of a most important member of the Wu-Tang Clan? I mean, I think that the most important member of the Wu is probably ODB. Hmm. I think that not only was he, you know, probably the most charismatic, but every single member of the Wu says that he was the heart and soul of it. You know, whenever they were all in the studio, people might be on their own individual thing, but he came in and brought everybody together and, and just kind of, took every like the air out of everybody's ego and just brought it back down to the ground to be like you know we're all here for this reason and this is what we're doing it for and his energy and his passion and his creativity uh rippled through every other member and so whenever he was lost and and he lost his life you know it was just really unfortunate and it changed woo forever um, you know, the way that they interact and connect now, I think, has been affected because of his passing. And, you know, it was, you know, unfortunate in his passing, but I think it also may have affected the group in a positive way um, in which that they are more apt to, you know, connect whenever that signal goes up because they still know the importance of of all of them and, and, and what the Wu means. So, yeah, I think that ODB is probably the most important member of the Wu-Tang Clan. All right, so maybe it's not an obvious answer because you just made a very compelling argument, and I think you're (laughs) actually probably right then. I mean, what I always think about is RZA Mm. as the man behind the boot who is the one who's taking all of their individual talents and putting it into the music. You know, when they talk about the construction of certain songs, you know, Method Man, he's the guy with the hooks. You bring him in, he does the best hooks. You got Raekwon, Inspected Deck, Ghostface Killer. He knows how to utilize them on certain songs. So he's the one who's always organizing the tracks and really responsible for that in terms of bringing the talents out of everybody. So I was thinking of it just from a musical perspective, but I think you're right that in terms of kind of, I guess the emotion and the heart and soul of the group, it does have to be ODB. And you can see it because there was a distinct change in the group after his passing. So it's probably correct as well. 
you know, mentioning the RZA, at least having him in the conversation, you're absolutely right, because without him and his vision, <laughs> the Wu wouldn't exist yeah. um, musically or as far as the members are concerned um, and knowing how to stack each other up or who to go first. And what, I mean, because um, like Inspect the Deck is probably one of the best, you know, lead off rappers <laughs> there are, um, you know, his verses really set the table for every track and, and the, some of the most memorable, memorable verses um, from the Wu. So. Yeah, RZA for sure is the the orchestrator and the puppet master of it all, so to speak. And for that, you know, there's definitely an argument that he's the most important member for sure, because without him, there'd be no Wu. So that goes to a different question then. We we discussed sort of who's the most important member. Would who would you say is your favorite member? Steve, who who's your favorite of the Wu? Oh man, that's changed. <laughs> that's that's something in the last twenty seconds or just <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, I gotta stop eating that course. <laughs> No, no. So, I mean, as a kid, my favorite was probably ODB because of his charisma, um, you know, and also he was the only one that was kind of at that time really getting to expand into other areas. I mean, he's, you know, Method Man wasn't featured on Mariah Carey's songs. It was ODB. That's on Mariah Carey's fantasy. Uh, Method Man was on, you know, Biggie's The What, but, you know, that still wasn't as big of a song as Mariah Carey's fantasy. So like ODB was also a bit more visible and in his charisma. Um, I, I loved his authenticity um, and him not afraid to be himself and be a character and be fun. Um, that was something that was really inspiring me for me as a kid. But whenever I got into high school and, you know, probably around like 2000, 2001, when they, when they dropped the W uh, and they dropped Iron Flag, I think Method Man became my favorite member of the Wu at that point. Uh, when I got to college, and by the time I graduated college, the Jizza was my favorite member, you know, with the, with the genius and a lot of what he was rapping about and talking about was definitely connecting with me at that time. Uh, but now, you know, at 37, you know, really looking back and, and really reflecting on who had the biggest impact as far as like the music that I appreciated the most of what they put out in their solo catalog, in addition to what they did with the Wu, is probably Ghostface Killer. Um, today would be my favorite member of the Wu Tang Clan. Corey, it's a really difficult question. I know it's a question that I came up with. One of the things that so, I don't have an answer for. One of the things that's so difficult about it is like, how can you separate them from the whole, right? Yeah. In 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 one sense, you can because so many of them went on to these other careers and did their own music outside of it. When I think about Wu-Tang as a contained thing, and when I think about who do I gravitate towards when I listen to a Wu-Tang record, it's always Inspect the Deck. And while he never had the solo career that all the rest of these guys did, whenever I listen to a Wu-Tang song, it's Inspect the Deck's verses that immediately stand out to me. And then I'm like, wow, he is absolutely incredible. But then I don't know how it didn't happen for him. Like, really outside of that he's doing Zarface now which again we mentioned before and i love Zarface, but inspected deck every time i hear his verses on a track i'm just like yo that man is so smart and so yeah just insightful and like the things that he says i'm just like yeah yeah you're fucking right <laughs> wow and no other person in the group has that effect on me where i'm like I, I respect them all for their like own individual things that they bring, but no one has the ability to make me just pause and be like, fuck. That's a yeah. great, great pick. <laughs> it's hard. So it's like who, when you, when you bring them together, when you said bring them together as a whole, 
like who do I remember sort of the most or, or who stands out to me sort of it, for, it's method man. I don't know why his voice and just his flow. I've always enjoyed. I, I saw him live at fucking Northern lights. And I was, I was like, I wasn't sure how it was going to be. I, fuck me. Right. I, I was completely wrong. The dude is such an incredible performer. Cause yeah. I was like, I figured he was just like acting and stuff like that. So I was like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe he's going around touring and just so like, and I was like, Holy shit, man, this guy is just fucking bringing it. And it, he was on tour with like currency, big crit. Like it was a stacked show. Uh, smoked is it like it was it was a stack show he just brought it the dude has such crazy charisma but i would agree with steve if i'm gonna think about sort of like solo work ghostface killer and it's not even just to like the records he puts out i mean i love what he did with bad bad not good but he'll also just fucking rap with anyone like the track he did with rich chigga Rich Brian. Rich now. Brian now. Yeah, but Rich Brian. <laughs> when he jumped on that remix. He's like, I'll fucking do it. Like when he was doing the reaction video oh with God. all the other rappers, he'd be like, yeah, I'd fucking jump on a track with him. And then he jumped on a track with him. Like, yeah, he will work with anyone. He'll collaborate with anyone. I mean, some of the lines that he had on the album he did with uh, uh, Zarface meets Ghostface they're hilarious the whole yeah. story about him like the morning like waking up in the morning I just that that dude is is definitely probably my favorite from wu-tang yeah, but he's dope but shame on you for sleeping on a method man live show like <laughs> <laughs> yeah he <laughs> I, I like one of my old Fair. bosses uh kimbo osorio she used to be the uh executive director or editor-in-chief of the source for a while and so she went on tour with um like she, she's real cool with meth and red and so she was like on a few of their tour stops together um and she was like the way they are on stage is exactly the way they were off stage back then like you know they would be having food fights and all types of stuff like you know backstage or on the tour bus and just wilding out crazy like it was never an act <laughs> it was never an act they what the energy they brought on stage was just coming straight from the off the tour bus right on the stage and then back on the bus and then keeping it moving you could still tell that with Redman. I mean, probably the most telling of it was his MTV Cribs. Like, that was one of the most iconic yeah. <laughs> MTV Cribs episode of all time. While we're on the topic of Redman and Method Man and acting, how good is How High? Oh, man. That's, that was my favorite movie of 2001. I didn't even smoke weed then, and I, it was my favorite movie. Like, <laughs> it's so good, it's so funny. Uh, Steve, before we get to our number one, I have one more question that I want to ask, and it's maybe a difficult one, but you know, outside of Wu Tang Clan, what's your favorite album from a kind of a Wu Tang affiliated artist? Yeah, I would probably have to say like my knee jerk reaction. Uh, because if I sit on it too long, I'll end up debating myself. <laughs> uh, but my knee-jerk reaction is Ghostface Killer's Supreme Clientele. I bought that album in Paris, France uh, during an exchange trip, actually with Shen. Um, <laughs> I did an exchange trip with our high school. And yeah, it was incredible. Um, that album shifted my perspective on Ghostface as an artist. Um, but also it shifted my perspective just about the woo. Like it made me go back and re-listen to older Wu albums and just like and just really reimmerse me back into the Wu. Um, you know, the W had done that, and but I think that they might have even come out around the same time, like or if not the same year or two. Like they they weren't too far apart um, when Supreme Clientele and the W came out. So once I got Supreme Clientele, it was it was a wrap. 
um <laughs> <laughs> it was a rap and I, like that that's probably my favorite Wu affiliated album that's not a direct uh wu-tang album beam do you have one i don't yeah. want to leave you out of this no i i do i think it is our face meets ghost face and I, and I don't know if it completely counts because it is sort of inspect decks thing with, uh, with esoteric and, and seven L, but like, I don't know the way one, the production on that album is one of my favorites. And then two, just like Ghostface on that. It's just a perfect pairing with sort of the theme they have going on and just sort of in, in what they put out in that album. That's that, that has to be one of my favorites. It's just a phenomenal album. Agreed. What about you? I mean, it's it's difficult. When I think about it, I think about someone like Ghostface's entire discography, and he by far has the most great albums. Yeah. But if I'm looking at one individual one, it's Raekwon's only built for Cuban links. Yeah. And honestly, it's Purple not take. particularly it's not particularly close. Like that album is a fucking masterpiece. Ghostface has eleven to fifteen great records but not an individual one touches only built for Cuban links for me. I think that song like that album front to back is incredible. I think heaven and hell is the single greatest song that a Wu-Tang affiliated members come out with. It hits me so hard when I listen to that record. And it's funny too, because Can't like Ghostface, Ghostface is like the co-star of that album. Yeah. So it's like, so he, he's still going to be, he's still floating around even as that, even that being the selection. <laughs> he's he's on like 16 of the 23 tracks. It's it's basically just him and Ghostface. Like it's a collab album, but it I has Raekwon's name. I keep on it. forgetting Raekwon is on that album. And I know it's his album. But it's like, I'm sorry, just Ghostface yeah. is so fucking good on it. I don't know. All right. I think we've covered our uh, our Wu Tang love sesh. But Corey, we're 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 on to your number one here. Which 36 Chambers song did you did you pick from here? I mean, for me and Steve, I hope yours is what mine is because otherwise there might be a fight there's a fight cash rules everything around me cream get the money dollar dollar billion and ain't trying to hear what i'm kicking in his ear neglected for now but yo it got to be accepted that what the life is hectic cash rules everything around me cream get the money dollar dollar billion the hook of that song might be one of the most like ubiquitous ones of all time to be perfectly honest but Corey, why, of all of the wonderful songs on that album, is Cream your number one? A lot of it has to do with the iconic hook and the fact that Wu-Tang had this ability to create their own slang where Cream was something that actually a guy in the Wu-Tang sphere, a guy named Raider Ruckus, who was Method Man's co-worker at the Statue of Liberty, he came up with this and he said Cream all the time. And then he separated it out to mean cash rules, everything around me. And so it became this kind of acronym and slang now that gets used everywhere. And it's a rare kind of song that has that ability to take something and then kind of make it ubiquitous within the culture. And this was actually something that apparently people in the Wu-Tang sphere were doing all the time. A guy named Kill a Priest came up with basic instructions before leaving Earth for Bible. And then that showed up on Jizz's Liquid Swords record. So this was something that was happening all the time. They also came up with an acronym for projects that I'm forgetting right now. But this was something that they did all the time. And then it became kind of just ubiquitous slang that everyone used. And so that kind of pop cultural influence is massive. And it all kind of came from that Method Man hook. So that's a huge part of it, honestly. The hook it was then. I mean, Steve, what do you think about this being? I mean, I know obviously you have your other 
Wu Tang choice, but what do you, what do you think about Corey's pick cream here? I mean, it makes perfect sense. Um, it's probably the most iconic Wu Tang song. It, you know, like he mentioned, the hook of the song and the title of the song has lived on in a way beyond the song itself. Uh, where you know, cash rules everything around me is a kind of essentially more or less like a universal type phrase now. Uh, maybe not so much the acronym of cream, uh, but cash rules everything around me for sure. And so, yeah, I, I can't deny that this is a excellent choice as number one. It, there, there were three or four or maybe five Wu-Tang <laughs> songs off this album <laughs> that <laughs> could have been number one for me. I, I wanted to make sure that Wu was number one. Um, I figured that you would pick this song as your number one. You know me so because well. it, makes per- uh, it makes perfect sense. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I definitely uh, rock with you on, on, on this, this choice for this track, man. Great Wait, why does it make perfect sense? Perfect sense for it being Corey or perfect sense that it would be the number one pick? Both, uh, because I've heard Corey mention how much he loves Cream. Well, I should say how much he loves this song, Cash Rules Everything Around Me. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to make a joke. I wasn't going to say anything. But, um, <laughs> but also, as far as just any general Wu fan, you know, if if you were to say, oh, what's, what's your favorite song? What's the number one or the best song off, you know, Enter the 36 Chambers? People are going to say, oh, Cash Rules Everything Around Me most times. Most other times they might end up picking another contender for my number one, but I don't even think I picked that one for this one. So, yeah. <laughs> no, and I mean, the two things that really stand out about the track are first the sample, that piano right. riff is just absolutely incredible. And it comes from the Charmels as long as I've got you. And it's so haunting, but also catchy at the same time. So it has this quality of like matching the song's vibe and energy perfectly but also being catchy and one that brings you in. So it makes sense that it's a smash hit, but like, it's also a very dark song and a very, very real song. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned inspect the deck and his verse on this track, honestly, I'm not even like being hyperbolic when I say this, but I think it's one of the best verses anyone's ever written. And the two bars that always stand out to me, or when he says life is a shorty shouldn't be so rough but as the world turned i learned life is hell living in the world no different from a cell that's one of those moments where i'm just like fuck inspector like goddamn and then the other one is he said neglected for now but yo it's got to be accepted that what the life is hectic mm. and like as soon as you accept that yeah. this is what your station as life might be and that it sucks for everybody that's when you start making moves to improve your station in life that you just have to accept that this is what it is and just move forward. And so, you know, I I mentioned how he's like this kind of rap philosopher and it's always stood out to me. His verse on this track is just being like, holy fucking shit, like this guy, man. And so, you know, knowing that inspected deck is my favorite in this verse, like I, I have to, I just have to pick this song. No, it is a great track. But I would also say that Steve's number one track is one of my favorites and also a really great piece of advice for new parents out there. Well, it's funny. I think that the number one that you're referencing might have been my former number one. Son of a bitch. (laughs) You got to look at my most recent text. I thought I saw. Oh, my God. But. Nonetheless, it's still an excellent piece of advice. God, it was a great segue. No, no, it's. 
it's still a perfect segue because it is an excellent piece of advice for Wait. not just parents right now, but also everyone right now in the midst of this pandemic. Your um, latest text is literally. Yes. My latest text. Number one, Wu-Tang Clan, protect your neck. That's what I was saying. No, that was what I was referencing. You <laughs> I thought you were referencing. Next. You protect oh my the baby's neck <laughs> at all times. Well, Steve. I would. Steve, I would figure you need that. to learn this if this is a thing. <laughs> Listen, the, one of the first things I'm telling my kid is that Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. So <laughs> no, 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 sorry, no, that's fair. It's not what I'm telling my kid. It's in keeping my kid alive, protecting the neck. Yeah, I'd say protect the neck is the first thing you should teach your kid. It's literally what my friend told me, who like is obsessed with Wu Tang Clan. A close second is the Wu Tang Clan at fucking. <laughs> And then third. Well, I would argue knowing knowing know. that they're nothing to, knowing that they're nothing to fuck with would make you want to protect your neck. So. There's that, but also too, I every now and again I do tell my kid to bring the motherfucking rock kiss. But now, <laughs> you got to poop. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the motherfucking motherfucking ruckus. <laughs> all right. Anyway, I'm sorry. Lost in all of this, maybe somewhere. Steve, your number one's what again? <laughs> Yeah, so my number one song uh, representing the Wu-Tang Clan uh, is Protect Your Neck, their debut single. It makes me realize Wu-Tang gives a lot of good advice, guys. First things first, man, you're fucking with the worst. I'll be sticking pins in your head like a fucking nurse. I'll attack any nigga who's slacking his mat. It's really weird to, I mean, we're watching the music videos of these songs, listen to them, and it's just kind of funny to see... Well, first off, Ghostface, skinny Ghostface, because we don't have that as much anymore. But to see where ODB started and to how it ended, man, he went through some shit. Yeah, he did. His physical appearance was much different from that. I just, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, Ghost talks about that too, actually, in their uh, Drink Champs interview. He talks about how just the medications and stuff that they ended up putting ODB on at the end of his life, like really fucked with him just also fucked with how he looked and like just made his face swell up and all this stuff. So yeah. Yeah. He like, he went through a lot, um, unfortunately, but yeah, yeah, to your, to your point though, I mean, that's, that's the reason why I chose this song for my number one is because, you know, it shows the entire woo at the start of the woo. Um, It's one of the few songs that has every member of the woo rapping on it, except for master killer. But he, whenever they recorded this, he wasn't part of the group yet. And I, strategically you know thinking i was like well if Corey goes first i go second like i knew you were gonna have woo as your number one um and so not only you know like so my argument was like you know is it cash rules everything around me or is it wu-tang clan ain't nothing to fuck with but the album version of this starts off with a radio caller calling in and he's like you know what do you want to hear and he's like you already know what i want to hear he's (laughs) like that woo he's like yep again and again and again and again so <laughs> like, yeah, I figured that, you know, we were going to have back-to-back Wu-Tang records and now we we're going to have to hear them again and again and again. So um, yeah, Protect Your Neck is just the number one for me because, you know, like I said, it's the debut of the Wu. We all know where they are right now or, or what our most recent memories of them all um, were, but to, you know, see ODB back whenever he was still referring to himself as a son unique um, before he switched it up to Old Dirty Bastard because uh, there was no father to his style. Um, or with uh, Jizza, you know, the way Jizza was spelled in this video is J-I-Z-A-H, not G-Z-A. Um, Killer was like the, also E-R too, right? 
Yeah, instead of an AH. Yep. And RZA, like he was, he had just prior to the Wu, he was going by Prince Rakim, and so uh, that's why you see exit Prince Rakim enter the RZA um, because he switches out of that persona forever and is now known as the RZA. So, yeah, for all of them, it's you know the introduction to the most iconic rap group ever. I mean, for someone who also had Wu-Tang as their number one, Corey, what do you think about this one? I can't argue with it. Okay. You know, I said I would have a fight, but you can't have a fight. There are seven tracks on this Wu-Tang record that all are deserving of number one. Like, even down to, like, can it all be so simple? Like, (laughs) even that, like, all of them have an argument. So, protecting neck is fire. I think that... What's really instructive is, and I'm glad we did this before we shared our number ones, because I think the way you spoke about it, protecting neck makes complete sense. You have the charisma of old dirty bastard and method man on this track. You get everyone at the peak of their powers and harnessing it on the same song in the way that they work off of each other. So, you know, when you think about Wu-Tang, that's what comes to mind. And protecting neck, I think, is the kind of ultimate encapsulation of everything that we talked about with Wu-Tang. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. They, you know, they each get their stage to shine, their spotlight. And it's not just like one of them doing the hook. I think the person who has the shortest verse is probably you, God. Um, Very short. But nonetheless, it's like, you know, he does what he needs to do and keeps it moving. So, like, yeah, everybody got their time to shine on this. Uh, my favorite line is Jizz's, um, where he says, the booze too slamming for these Cole Kim labels. Somebody has hit scenes I've seen Aunt Mabel. They be doing artists like Kane did Abel. Now they money's getting stuck to the gum under the table. Like that's mm. my favorite. That's my favorite line in the whole track. But um, there are so many, so many, uh, like Inspector Deck, you mentioned Inspector being um, one of your favorites. You know, he's like swinging through your town like the neighborhood Spider-Man. Like there's just mad references to cool stuff. He makes a Tevin Campbell reference. Method Man makes a reference to fame, you know, and I'm going to live forever, that that song and that movie. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of pop culture references in addition to um, everything that they're just rapping about. So, yeah, man, I, I love this track. Flames, just flames. <laughs> the end of Steve's list went so hard. Award tour. What's my name? Protect your neck. Bangers. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would disagree. I had a great time with this list. This is a fantastic list. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, this was this was a lot of fun, man. I'm glad you picked this year. This is a great year to do. I mean, I'm just, to get a chance to talk about the Wu Tang and and such. That that's why I wanted to pick it. Honestly, it was like at this point, you know, we're this is our fifth year. Previous to this, the two major players that we really hadn't discussed was Wu Tang and Jay Z. Like we 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 talked about Jay Z being featured on tracks, but we didn't talk about like a Jay Z record. Right. So I was like we got to talk about one of these dudes and you know i was just like 93 wu-tang let's do this it's really fascinating to go back on but as with any list there were some that were left on the cutting room floor for a few of us i literally asked steve i'm like yo you got honorable mentions like i got 10 and i'm like we can't do that many (laughs) we don't have time for 10 we don't can't be doing 10 steve you got three what are your uh what what were the three immediate ones left on the cutting room floor i know there's so many but well two that get crossed off my list because we already mentioned them is diggable planets cool like that and souls of mischief 93 to infinity um so those can stand aside but um i would think that uh notorious big uh, or biggie um his party and bullshit 
that's an honorable mention. Um, it's the debut of Notorious B.I.G. produced by Easy Moby. Um, like I mentioned in our last episode, um, you know, Easy Moby is coming off of working with Miles Davis and, you know, he's now helping to craft the sound for Biggie. He's just doing incredible work and partying bullshit is uh, I, I love Biggie's flow. I love the production. Um, it's one of the more upbeat and just timeless Biggie tracks that often goes under the radar. Um, so party and bullshit would be in my honorable mention list. Uh, another uh, honorable mention, um, I'll save a couple of these that you're going to probably mention a couple too. Let's see, another one that would be uh, Guru um, off the Jazzmatazz album, um, his song Slicker Than Most with Gary Barnacle, or his song Le Bien Le Mal uh, with MC Solar. Both of those, um, or really any song from the Jazzmatazz album, I think is worthy of consideration for this list. My last one um, for my honorable mention, let's go with Run DMC, Down With The King. Uh, it was probably their last big hit before you know the end of their era and their run. But yeah, there's a lot of folks you know that, that are kind of closing out certain aspects of their careers or um, certain peaks of their careers. And there's other folks that are jumping off. I mean, Fat Joe releases Flow Joe in 93. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of songs that are in my honorable mention. But yeah, those are just some of the ones that I think stood out to me the most. Corey, what about you? The biggest one was Black Moon, Who Got the Props. This was really going to be my only opportunity, I think, to talk about Black Moon, who I think is an incredibly underrated group um, and some that I love very much. And this was their peak, their best album. So I really wanted to have the opportunity to talk to him, but there was just talk about him, but there was no kind of spot um, in my top five. So Black Moon, Who Got the Props was a huge one. And then I got to just give a shout out, Naughty by Nature, Hip Hop Hooray. What a great celebration of hip hop and everything that it brings and just such a joyous song. Um, it's not top five worthy, but it deserves a shout out because it's just phenomenal. And yeah. in an upcoming year, Naughty Night Nature will be making an appearance because one of their songs is just one of my all time favorites and there's no way I'm leaving it out. <laughs> That's awesome. One thing I, I also got a shout out because he's just my favorite MC of all time. KRS-One, Sound of the Police. That track definitely is an honorable mention as well. Oh, last one real quick. This is actually an album I've never heard before. So when I was doing my thing, you know, I, I always just compile all the albums and I start listening to Domino. Have you ever heard that record, Steve? I don't think so. That's the name of the artist? Yeah, Domino. And I think it's the name of the album too. It's like a serious G-Funk slapper. Like it, it, it kicks. It came on right after Snoop Dogg, like on my list. And I thought it was still Snoop Dogg. That's how good it was. I was like, this is at this level. Um, so just shout out to Domino. I'd never heard that record. And it was awesome. So good. Well, we all got some shit to, to listen to afterwards now. At least Steve and I, apparently not Corey. <laughs> Corey found these guys. Or one guy. Sorry. <laughs> I now bought into your wanting them to be a uh, rap super group or rap group. God, God. <laughs> anyway, looking back on 93, who do we think came out on top this year? Who, who won this year? I think it was the Wu and specifically Method Man. His his acting career is really awesome. He's doing great right now. Have you guys ever seen the movie The Whackness? Yeah. Uh, no, but I've been meaning to for a long time now. You should. It's great. I mean, yeah. I really identify with the main character because it's just a white kid who's in love with hip hop and feels alone and lost in the world. Um, a feeling <laughs> that I can identify with. But real. Method Man plays like 
his supplier because he's a drug dealer in the city. That's not something that I did. But if Method Man could be like my spiritual guru on my life journey and specifically speak in the Jamaican accent that he speaks with in that movie, I'm fucking in. Let's go. <laughs> I also think Queen Latifah has an argument. I mean, she I is would agree. massive. For sure. Like For the Equalizer sure. is a huge show on a broadcast network. But if we're keeping yeah. it just in music, it's Wu-Tang as a whole. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, for sure. I mean, Queen Latifah is the only one in all these folks who's been nominated for an Oscar. Like, yep. <laughs> Method Man deserves one. Listen, dude, he's getting there, man. Like, it's going to come. So, and at some point, Snoop might just fall into that. He's everywhere at this point. Are you like, yeah, seriously. He might like, end up he's... being the new Oscar statue. Like, it, <laughs> like it's just ridiculous. <laughs> They're just going to call it the Snoop. <laughs> Maybe Golden Gloves. I want that award. I would love, the Oscars. <laughs> would love that. What? Yeah. They need to rebrand and call it the Snoop. The yeah. Snoop? We're going to the Snoops. <laughs> Who's going to host the Oscars this year? Doesn't matter. It's Snoop. <laughs> Snoop Dogg should host the Oscars. Is Snoop doing the Super Bowl Maybe. halftime show? Is he? Uh, yeah. Ke- oh, Kendrick's Dre. performing too, right? Yeah. yeah. It's it's Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop, Kendrick, and Mary J. Blige. I mean, Snoop probably won the year. He's performing the goddamn Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, when we talk about these artists who've set themselves up to still be massively relevant right now. Mm -hmm. I'd say Snoop won. Easy. You know, I know we just talked about Wu-Tang, but I'm sorry. Yeah, you just brought up Snoop. Snoop won that year. He's in Corona commercials, and they make me smile. He had a show with Martha (laughs) fucking Stewart. (laughs) Damn, Snoop. Snoop has just pulled out all... he He literally has his own youth football league. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Giving back. Got to. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. He's. Oh, he's. he's doing the damn thing. He's fucking amazing. All right. So we didn't settle on anyone winning the year because everyone won. Yeah, everyone did win. <laughs> the fucking world won. We get more Queen Latifah, more Snoop in our lives. We get more Method Man in our lives. We all won. We all won. That's R.I.P. R.I.P. Tupac and O.D.B. Yeah, I was gonna say not all of us won. Yeah. And fight dog. And fight. And fight right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Any closing. Also- Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you were going to say any closing thoughts, right? Yeah. <laughs> it seems like you had it. it. seems like you already were on it. Nah, I just, uh, overall, I think that this was an enjoyable year. I really appreciated the conversation that we had for all 10 of these songs, or I guess nine of these songs, since we both had you and ITY. But yeah, I, I, like you had mentioned at the start of the episode, uh, how you were drinking like samurai beer. Um, or something like that. Way of the sword. It's okay. <laughs> the way of the sword. Yeah, yeah. We're bringing up samurai stuff because of the woo. Uh, but yeah, I, like, and so I've been recently reading this book called The Book of the Five Rings. Um, it's written by a samurai master in like the 17th century. But it is one of the most incredible books. I'm, I'm like a third of the way through and it's already one of the most incredible books I've read. And it's so applicable to just every aspect of life. And it's understandable why... The RZA would be inspired by um, a lot of, you know, Asian culture, but specifically um, samurai uh, culture, um, karate culture, things of that nature, um, and just martial arts in general. But yeah, the Book of the Five Rings is something that I highly recommend to everybody to check out. So yeah, it's the only final thought I've got, man. This is a great, great conversation. It was, and I feel really weird that I'm about to follow it up with, for some reason, it just made me think of the... uh the Dave Chappelle race draft and when the Wu-Tang actually got drafted by the Asians. I don't remember. How do you, how does no one remember? <laughs> I, no, I definitely remember that. Oh my <laughs> I God. I definitely remember that. Anyways, Corey, did you have closing thoughts? I don't. We covered <laughs> it. My closing thought is Steve, I appreciate and love you. Beam, I appreciate and love you too. 
I always look forward to these conversations. I appreciate and love you both. I feel like we've just been going further off the deep end with each of these, but it's fun. (laughs) That is my closing thought. I don't know. It it lets me explore a lot too. Well, thank you. Um, What do we think we have next? What's the next year? Do we know? Steve knows because he picked it. And I oh, we're doing so. It looks like we're doing '98 next. Oh, well, given that we just talked about that release date and how we could construct the top five just on that alone, yeah, yeah, let's That'll make it happen. That'll yeah. be a fun year. Well, I'm looking forward to it, Corey. Handle with all the shit they need to know because I never know it. You can follow us on Instagram at Porch Media, on Twitter at Porchback Media. You can follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can rate us on Spotify now, which is it's a, a new thing feature. you can do now. I yeah. saw that. And you can like hit a bell that tells you when we have episodes and stuff, which is, you know, nice, I guess. I ignore the bell every time. I'm terrible with it. Um, but yeah, do those things because it is greatly appreciated. And Steve, since I messed it up last week, where can we find you? <laughs> uh, you could all find me uh, online, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at elect 217 e-l-l-e-c-t 217 um also follow me in the style free podcast as well too all wonderful things you all should go check it out check out all of our back catalog i'm sure there might be some things in there you might enjoy there's a lot of things that we have in there where Corey just you know we rank things and Corey just gets straight up upset about them it's amazing it's it's great to listen to I do get upset because you rank ridiculous things like Destination and Keanu Reeves' top five. Wedding Destination. <laughs> it's a fantastic movie with him and Winona Ryder. If you want to hear me talk about it again, I can go on. But please don't. that's going to be it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I guess we'll see you next week. See y'all.